Hello and welcome back to another episode of Vegan Proteins Muscles by Brussels Radio. My name is Giacomo. And I'm Danny. And this is our 24th episode. So not surprisingly, this didn't come out two weeks after our last one like it was supposed to. When was our last one? It was like a month ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. New episodes every month or so. So what have we been up to in the last month or so, Danny? We've been settling into the new place a little bit more. We've been focusing on some new product launches like the uh, chocolate raspberry fit quick and then also the birthday cake fit quick. And we have a couple other things in the works for the store right now. But we've also been focusing a lot on coaching um, and just turning our attention a little bit more to focusing on coaching and making sure that our clients get every last bit of us. Yeah, I think that, you know, the more we get into this, we really want to try to find ways to help people out as much as possible. And, you know, it's nice to put out information and free resources. And I don't know about you, but I, I've kind of missed working with people one-on-one and just seeing their transformation and results over time. So it's, it's been rewarding for me. And you've been working through an injury just recently, haven't you? Yeah, I hurt my neck doing, I'm not even 100% sure what, but I th- I want to say that it was deadlifts, but it may have been bench press. It wasn't like an immediate, like, oh my God, I hurt myself injury, but I kind of felt it afterwards when I went home and it got bad over the next 48 hours. And I actually ended up having to take like a solid two weeks off from training. And that was absolutely horrible. Um I can't stand not going and training, but my neck hurt so bad I couldn't even do simple things like bicep curls or anything like that. So I was pretty sedentary for those two weeks. And then I also had uh, a death in the family, which was really, really tough as well. Um, It was my cousin. He was young. He was 34 years old and he was in a car accident. So that was actually really, really tough to deal with. And it happened right around my birthday, which happened. Woo, I turned 30. Huzzah. But his uh, his funeral was actually on my birthday. So it's been a pretty rough couple of weeks, which is mostly why you haven't heard from us um, since the last podcast. So, But overall, things are on the up and up, so that's definitely good. And we've had Giacomo focusing a little bit more on clients, too, with me, sort of like shadowing me through how I, how I work with clients. And that's been really, really neat because he definitely brings something else to the table that I can't. And that's just kind of how coaching is all around. Like everybody has their different strengths and stuff. Yeah. And like I said, it it has been pretty rewarding and also being able to be there by Danny's side because it has been pretty difficult. Actually, it's what I've sort of been blocking out mentally because we've been going through so much. But yeah, I mean, that's the reality of it. And that's just life sometimes, ups, downs, everything in between. But as Giacomo has been coming on with coaching a little bit more and getting to learn sort of the different struggles and hurdles that various clients have to go through. That's kind of how we came to this podcast topic is one thing keeps popping up over and over again. And that is that people really, really struggle when it comes to eating out, like going out to eat and various types of social food outings and things like that. So, you know, we try to help a lot of people through that sort of thing. And this week we actually have a good friend and 
client and teammate and hopefully soon to be, you know, working very, very closely with vegan proteins as well, Christian Garcia. He came over from Santa Cruz in California to stay with us for a week. And that's been really awesome, too. So we're going to have him on the podcast because he is really, really well versed in flexible dieting and vegan IIFYM. And this week, as we've been going out to eat, frequently, as anybody who follows any one of us on a social media account has probably noticed, uh, (laughs) we've been talking a lot about how to stay closely to your plans when you're going out to eat. Yeah, and I I guess by admission, I think we're kind of being a little bit of macro assholes lately, you know, just with the last couple of meals out. Giacomo is always a macro asshole. (laughs) No, I'm not. (laughs) No, you are. Yeah, whatever. Well, I'm going to just go ahead and dodge that bullet right now by introducing my very good friend and brother in macro assholery. Yes, that's a word. Christian Garcia. So tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, Christian. I've been Danny's client for about three years now. Uh, I met her through uh, Giacomo, actually, when I placed an order a few years back. Uh, At the time, I I wasn't too sure about what I was doing. I was lifting i i was eating about 5500 calories a day which danny soon cut drastically (laughs) (laughs) she laughs about it now but it hurt a lot i guess uh i became her client after i saw plant built compete in 2013 uh they were a big inspiration and i wanted to do that i decided i was going to do that so i put my nose to the grindstone got got to work danny took me on as a client and Ever since then, things just kind of took their own path. Yeah, I think one of the cool things about Christian is that, first of all, what was really cool was when I did meet him, he was eating a lot, which, um, you know, he was eating a lot more than maybe he probably should have been eating, but that's so much better than when someone comes to me and they're severely under eating. I'll take someone over eating any day over under eating, and it actually set him up really well to, you know, when he did decide to cut and prep for his first show. Like if he had been eating nothing, that would have been impossible to do from the get-go. But the point that I was making is because Christian and I have been working together for so long, he's sort of been able to evolve with our training style and sort of learn a lot of things along with us. And, um, you know, he's really reaped the benefits of all the steps that I think are important to learning how to sort of be independent with your own uh, meal plan and goal setting and stuff like that. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that you don't think about when you start getting into fueling yourself properly for your goals. And it's so much more than just the nutrition programming in and of itself. And when you start to go through the motions, like Christian was saying, things start to take a path all on their own. Maybe you could tell us a little more about that, Christian, how how it evolved for you over time to be more than just a meal program. In the beginning, I really didn't know what I was doing. I just watched people and I was following their example. It wasn't necessarily a clean bulk when I started. It was just eat as much as I can. And that consisted of stuffing my face with cups and cups of lentils. It was not pleasant at all, you know. 5,500 calories is not easy by any means. But over time, uh, after I started working with Danny, she did give me a meal plan. And I'm not one to get bored with the foods I eat. I can eat everything I eat. I ate yesterday for the rest of the year, for the rest of the next two years, and not get bored. Leading up to my first competition, uh, I was working with Danny. She gave me a meal plan, made the weekly manipulations to keep progress going. 
Um, even after my competition, I still had a meal plan and I followed that loosely. Um, I didn't know what flexible dieting was at the time. So Danny still continued to make manipulations to keep me on track. And over time, I guess I started adding foods that weren't on my meal plan and I became more lenient. And I used that food to kind of fuel my workouts and I still worked closely with Danny. She gave me my, my workout plans, my meal plans. And it wasn't until leading up to the competition with Plant Bill in 2015 that I began learning about what flexible dieting and if it fits your macros was. So, I mean, how did the transition feel when you started stepping outside of a meal plan and adding foods in that you aren't necessarily having routinely? Like I said, I'm not one to get bored with the foods I eat. I can eat everything all the time, every day for years. But with flexible dieting, you can you can have foods you wouldn't normally have. And you can do so without having to worry about what you're eating because it, it fits the structure of your meal plan without going overboard or, you know, kind of falling off your meal plan. And I think that even... You know, you and I have a lot in common that I think you and I can eat the same thing over and over and over and just not get bored with it. But inevitably, there's going to come a time where, you know, you are not eating at home and someone invites you out to dinner or maybe it's your sister's birthday party or something comes up like that where you'd kind of be a jerk to be just be eating what's on your meal plan and nothing else, especially if you're not like prepping for a competition at that moment. <laughs> you have no reason to be eating like out of Tupperware. But when you're so used to being in like a, a strict meal plan, those situations can be really, really anxiety inducing. I think for a lot of people, even while they're learning how to sort of manipulate their macros and work in more fun foods, still going out to eat specifically can be like a really, really tough thing to handle both goal wise, but all more than anything, like emotionally and to not like have a lot of anxiety around food when you're going out. Um, how have you been able to deal with that? Um, to be honest, initially I was quite nervous when I started following If It Fits Your Macros. I would avoid eating out at all costs because I didn't know how to track. I didn't know what to track. Everything was still so new and foreign to me. Uh, Giacomo and Danny had a better idea of what to what to do and how to track their foods when they went out to eat. And it takes time, I have to say. Even now, I still have some issues. This whole time while I've been in Massachusetts with them and we've been eating out, I have a general grasp of how to track foods, but even then I still need some guidance and I had to ask them what to, how they were tracking their foods. Yeah, when you eat out, it's kind of hard to anticipate things you wouldn't expect to be in food. Um, oils is a very good example of that. I guess when you eat at home, you don't really douse your food in oil, but when you go out, they love to saturate everything you eat with oils. I mean, even some salads have oils and you kind of have to account for that. And another issue is when you go out to restaurants and you don't know what's in food and it's kind of hard to track because there aren't many vegan foods in tracking apps. The best you can do is the equivalent with to compare it to foods that have animal products, but even then vegan products and and non-vegan products tend to have different macronutrient profiles due to fats and carbs and proteins and all that stuff. Yeah, no, that's very true. And you sort of have to use your intuition because when you get to the point where the majority of your meals are 
if it fits your macros, for lack of a better word, or not pre-planned, I should say, at that point, you've pretty much gotten a sense of what's on your plate and what portion sizes are and what it looks like calorically and how it's broken down. But you've pretty much relied on an app or something else to tell you what's in it. It's like anything else, though. The more you do something over and over again in practice, you got to search from within and sort of trust yourself, trust that intuition and know like, hey, I know what's on this plate. I know how to estimate this. And then the more you do it and the more often you do it and you realize that your results are pretty much right on par uh, with what you're looking to do, you know, and it's it builds that confidence. And uh, I, I guess that's just my point is that's the beauty of flexible dieting when it comes to it's it's literally just that basically it's it's being able to step outside of your comfort zone and allow yourself the freedom to live your life you know and not have everything quantified calorically or by macronutrient ratios all the time yeah but i think that when you have a very specific goal like you can't just be like, oh, I'm just eating intuitively while I go out to eat. I mean, there is definitely an element of having to sort of have an educated guess of what's in your food, but you can't just be all willy nilly about it. So don't don't get all crunchy on me right now. Well, no, I guess my point is that, yes, you should as an athlete or a fitness enthusiast, you should be aware of the foods that are on your plate and you should be looking to make sensible choices that are going to complement your goals and not work against them as often as possible. And what I'm trying to say, basically, is that because you've been fueling yourself this a certain way for a while, that you're going to know how to do it. You just got to trust yourself and sort of loosen the reins and try not to overthink it. But you're also assuming that somebody who's gotten into flexible dieting is in the same position as Christian, where he had been on a meal plan for a long time and weighing and calculating everything out. And with practice doing that, you're able to learn more about portion sizes and what uh, six ounces of tofu looks like or something like that. If you haven't been weighing and measuring your food all along, it's a lot more difficult to look at a plate in a restaurant and have a rough idea of what's on it. So what would you say... To somebody who has just decided to dive in to flexible dieting and tracking their macros and they are going out to eat and they're really stressed out about it. Ultimately, it's not about being 100% on point. It's hard to be 100% on point when you go out to eat because, like I said earlier, you don't know what's in the food. The best you can do is make educated guesses, be as close as you you can be, I guess. Um, there are a lot of foods you eat on the daily that you can practice with like there are a lot of vegan products like upton seitan or tofurkey tempeh like if you go out and have a vegan cheeseburger with with tempeh bacon you can look up like tofurkey tempeh bacon and use that as an estimate for the tempeh bacon and you can look up a veggie patty to to get somewhat of a ballpark count for the veggie patty you would find uh, in a grocery store you know like gardein or foods along that line yeah I think that's a really good point and that's what I always do when I go out to eat is I try to look up things that are most similar to it that I would have been eating at home um, exactly like what you just said looking up you know the what's a good example 
well, the burger is actually a really great example. You know, looking up the patty, looking up the tempeh bacon, looking up whatever vegan cheese they put on it. You know, it you can ask. A lot of times, you know, vegan vendors are a lot of times getting the foods from the same place. Like, there's not an endless amount of vegan food. A lot of people are serving Gardein, and it's the exact same Gardein that you're buying in the supermarket that they're serving in the, in the restaurant. So, I mean, you can feel free to ask what sort of products they're using if you have to be really strict, but... I think that the vast majority of people don't have to be totally obsessive when they go out to eat. I think a lot of it is just going back to basics. And what I mean by saying going back to basics is I like to instruct my clients, especially when they're first um, sort of learning how to eat out, because I feel like you do kind of have to learn how to eat out. It requires a lot of practice. And a large part of it is just learning what a normal portion size looks like. You're really hard pressed to find restaurants that serve normal single serving sizes of anything. So, you know, it's important to know what a cup of rice looks like and know what you know, four ounces of seitan looks like roughly, just so you have a rough idea of what's in your food. Um, And then trying to split your plate up so that you have some sort of protein food, whether that's tofu or gardein or, or even beans and some sort of carbohydrate. You know, if you're going out, it may not be like the most healthy carbohydrate, but knowing, you know, what one serving of French fries looks like, for example, instead of like the mound of French fries, most of us are served in a restaurant and then always getting veggies. I always suggest people at least get veggies when they go out to eat. But the other thing you can do, because like Christian said, the oil is really the biggest factor, I think, in every meal when you go out to eat. From working in restaurants for as long as I have, I mean, you see people just free pouring oil onto the griddles and there's oil in spray bottles that they're squirting your food with while they cook it. I mean, even if you go out to eat and order hummus, they've dumped olive oil on it as a fucking garnish. Like, that's insane to me. So to learn roughly how much oil and sauce and everything is in your meal, just order it on the side. And once you've done that a few times, you get a rough idea of just how much, you know, dressing they're actually putting on your salad, for example. And it's a lot easier to track your dressing when it's in a little ramekin on the side of your plate than when it's tossed in the salad and you have no idea how much it is. Yeah, the oil's a a pain in the ass to track, but I'm going to be honest, it's uh, pretty delicious sometimes. (laughs) I'm all for it when I go out to eat. I mean, when you are dining out, let's face it, they want to make the food taste as good as possible. And it tastes pretty good, and I'm not about to sacrifice that. If I'm going out, I'm going to fully commit to it. Um, And going back on a a couple things that you guys were talking about, you know, it's like Danny and Christian were saying, practicing can be good by plugging in foods individually just so you can get a better personal understanding of what food looks like uh, macronutrient-wise. And then that way, you know, you can wind up looking at other foods and maybe they weren't vegan meals, but they look very similar to what you had. And you could say, oh, okay, you know, this is a beef and broccoli dish rather than me having to plug in beef and broccoli and rice. I can look at this dish and say, that looks about right because I've all this time I've been practicing with these foods and plugging them in one at a time. He means vegan beef. Well, yeah, duh. I mean, this is a vegan podcast. Come on. <laughs> but anyway, no, yes, it's exactly. I do mean vegan beef to clarify. Yeah, I think it's really good actually to sometimes look up, just look up the non-vegan version of whatever it is you're getting. Let's say you go get, um, you know, a tofu pad thai with no egg. 
like good luck trying to find that in my fitness pal or something similar but you may be able to find like a chicken pad tie or a shrimp pad tie or something like that and then at least you have like a ballpark idea at least of the carbs and fats that are in it um the protein content is going to be different just because you know chicken and shrimp have more protein than tofu it's just the way it goes and we've all learned how to get our protein up plenty high without those animal products but you know the fact of the matter is that there's going to be less protein in a tofu pad thai than shrimp pad thai uh, generally speaking. So that's just something to bear in mind. But if you look at shrimp pad thai in my fitness pal, you have a good idea of what you're working with if you order a vegan version of that. And you can do that with all sorts of things. I mean, a lot of people that do follow me on my fitness pal will sometimes see that I'll log something in there that isn't vegan, not because I'm eating something that isn't vegan, but because that's the most similar thing to what I actually am eating. A couple of good tips uh, regarding tracking. Uh, if you're going to track fats, a good way to do so is to touch it, um, touch whatever you're eating. And if it feels oily to the touch, it's probably you can track it with higher oils. Or if it tastes, if it's if it's a dessert and it tastes like really, really sweet, or if it's a food that has some sort of sweetener added to it, you can always track for that sweetener to add a little more. If it, Like I said, if it's sweet to the taste. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, you have to use your common sense too. You know, we went out the other night and the guys each got a slice of chocolate cake for dessert. Uh, now, if you look up chocolate cake in my fitness pal, you're going to get 40 different chocolate cakes and they're all going to be a little bit different. So you have to use your best judgment to find what is going to be the closest. You know, if it's a really, really moist cake, then you're going to want to look for something with higher fat. If it's got a ton of frosting on it, you're going to want to look for something with higher fat. If it's kind of dry, but really, really sweet, you're going to want to look for something that's higher carb. If it's a really tiny piece, something that's smaller. And if it's a big piece, like be honest with yourself. If you got a honking piece of cake and you're going to eat the whole damn thing, don't go find something that represents a sliver of cake and log that. I mean, a lot of eating out is being really, really honest with yourself. Yeah, I'm glad you touched upon that point because it's something I'm thinking about too. And I, th- I say we all struggle with it at one point or another when what we eat is based on our goals and not just eating all willy-nilly. And I think, you know, speaking for myself, it's e- it's been easy for me in the past to just maybe think, okay, well, I don't really know what's in this, so I'm just not even going to worry about it and, and just use it as an excuse. But it, it really isn't. I mean, when you're honest with yourself, that's when you make better choices logging food. And if something, let's say something, for example, you look at it and before you ordered it, you said, okay, it's probably going to contain X amount of carbs and Y amount of fat, knowing full well that fat is way more calorically dense than carbs thing comes out serve let's say it's a giant piece of cake and you're like oh shit this has way more fat than i thought and not too you know and maybe a fewer carbs whatever point of the matter is honor that if you end up ordering say cake for example and it comes out and it winds up having way more fat than you thought it would whether there's more frosting on it or if it's just a larger portion or whatever honor that don't just say i'm not sure it was in this and i thought it was gonna be one way and i'm anxious about it and so I'm just going to eat the damn thing now, and I'm going to be done with it. And I made a poor choice. You don't have to make a poor choice. A good tip is to just eat half of it. And now you actually have some room for later in the day for something else, and you have cake for tomorrow. So, I mean, you wound up taking something that could have went sour for you and could have had a 
left a negative taste in your mouth for next time. And instead, you can enjoy cake again the next day. And there shouldn't be any pressure to eat all the food you're given by any means. Um, if you feel as if it's more than you bargained for, feel free to ask for a box, take it home, save it for later, like Giacomo said. There's no reason to throw everything out the window just because you feel inclined to eat your whole meal right then and there. It, it can serve for a great meal the next day. Track it the same if it's if you ate half of what you ordered. That's what I tend to do sometimes. If I feel as if I'm approaching my limit for macro tracking, I tend to take half and save it for later because now I have a journal idea of what I tracked it for previously and I can track it again the next day when I decide to eat it. Yeah, that's a really, really great tip actually. Um, and you can ask them to bring you a box even right from the get-go if you don't trust yourself to not be able to not eat the entire thing. A lot of restaurants will pack half of it up for me before they even bring it to the table. So that's a that's a cool thing too. Um, you know, a lot of people just don't have the willpower to only eat half of what's on their plate. And I know because I've been that person <laughs> uh, on more than one occasion. So I do know what that's like. And for that reason, I typically try to pick something that's on the lighter side. And I mean, that's something that you can do too. You don't have to always pick the absolute, you know, quote unquote, healthiest, lightest thing on the entire menu, but you can use your judgment when you're placing your order. I mean, you know, we're talking about being honest with yourself. Um, if you're ordering a vegan double bacon cheeseburger or something like you know that's going to be heavy before it even gets to the table just based on the name as opposed to like a vegan turkey club or something like that that could be a lot simpler or if you do want variety you don't like danny said you don't have to get the healthiest food on the menu you can get something that's a little heavier and you can get something that's a little lighter and you can split the two you know you get half of the healthier one or quote-unquote healthier one and you can take half of the heavier one and just eat half and save the other half of both portions for later. Exactly, Christian. That's that's You're doing that thing again where you're here and somehow you're in my head and you're thinking the same thing as me. It's a little freaky, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but everybody's different. But I know for myself, if I order a plate and I'm going out to eat, sometimes it can be difficult to have half of what's on my plate and feel satisfied because here I am ordering an entree and I'm eating half of an entree. I'm like, well, crap, did I really eat or did I just eat half of my meal? And that in and of itself can be stressful. So like my buddy Christian was saying, you can order a couple of things and then pick and choose what you want. And it's sort of, it's sort of like having, it's, I guess it's like the equivalent of grocery shopping, except you're dining out, if that makes any sense. No, 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 that doesn't make any sense. Use a different analogy, please. Wait a minute. So you don't go grocery shopping at the restaurant? Just explain yourself better. <laughs> okay. What I'm saying is it's it's less limiting when you're ordering a couple items instead of worrying about having to finish everything on your plate. That's all. Plus, when you're going out to eat, a lot of times it's a social occasion and it can be kind of fun for everybody to like pick a dish and, and split them, you know, and share them. We've done that a couple times this week where you know, what I really want to be eating is the healthier fare, but I really do want a few bites of like the junkier stuff on the menu. So we'll order one of those and just all kind of pick at it. So we get to try it and you don't have to feel deprived. Like you didn't get to try the fun thing in the restaurant, but you also didn't have to have that be your entire meal and, you know, gorge yourself on it. And I think probably one of the most important things when you're going out to eat 
is sort of having to listen to your body a little bit. A lot of times we can think we have our meal like perfectly planned out and we have a pretty good idea of what it is we're tracking, but then we're, you know, half of the way done with what we're supposed to be eating and suddenly we're stuffed. And at that point, you need to realize like, oh, maybe, maybe I mistracked this. (laughs) Maybe this is a little bit heavier than I thought that it was. And, you know, when you start to feel full, you don't have to finish everything. That can be your meal. And at the very, very, very basic core of going out to eat, it's important to not eat until you're stuffed, I think. And it's also important to not walk out of there hungry. So, you know, in very, very stressful situations where you literally have no idea, you know, let's say you're going to a party or something and you have no idea what kind of food is going to be there and you get there and it's like this weird hodgepodge of dishes that people brought and you couldn't possibly track everything that you ate while you're there. You know, those situations do arise. I think like Christmas parties and stuff like that come to mind. Occasionally, I will just say like, fuck it, I'm not going to track what's going on here. I'm just going to eat very sensibly and think like, well, if there's a protein food, then I'm going to, you know, eat a fair amount of the protein food and, you know, be more discriminate with the carbs and fats and desserts and snacks and chips and things like that and just eat till I'm satisfied, but not stuffed. And even though that's not perfect, for working towards a specific athletic or physique goal, sometimes your mental health is, well, I mean, your mental health is really, really important and you can't allow yourself to stress yourself out like crazy trying to track something that's basically untrackable. Yeah, and if you decide to eat sensibly and not track your food, one bad meal or one, not even bad, just one untracked meal is not going to completely derail your progress. It's not going to throw you off, off the wagon you know, just if you decide to eat sensibly and you feel as if you did a good job, then um, all right, right on. Um, just get back to the grind the next day. Tomorrow's a new day. Just start tracking the next day. Exactly. And when you start to do that over and over again, there may be times where you're just in the mood to track the food later on. And because you were eating sensibly while you were out in a social situation and not to the point where you were binging, for example, When you go home, if you're in the mood to track it, you can probably put it together and realize, oh shit, I'm exactly in line with my maintenance calories for the day and I can still eat other things. That was pretty cool and I didn't even have to stress about it while I was out. Now these things take practice. They're not gonna come naturally, um, but you can't be afraid to to work towards it. I saw a quote recently um, online and I can't remember exactly how it was worded and I can't even remember the name of the woman who posted it. But basically the premise of the quote was food and nutrition are the only goals that we work towards where we feel like we have to be perfect all the time. Like if you were working to clean your house or keep your house clean, you wouldn't like scream at yourself for leaving a dish out overnight or something like that. But for some reason, we think it's okay to constantly beat ourselves up if we're not 100% on track with our meal plans and our macros all the time. And that's kind of ridiculous and really, really unrealistic. You know, like Christian said, one meal in the grand scheme of things really is just like a drop in the bucket. It doesn't make that much of a difference. I mean, if you're doing that every meal every day, that's a completely different story. But once in a while, I think it can be even good for you to go out and not track something and sort of just you know, check in with yourself and see how you respond to food without the parameters of tracking and counting. I mean, do you 
say, I'm not going to track. And then you end up eating everything and just completely binging because that should be a little bit of a red flag for you. Um, that maybe your relationship with food isn't as healthy as you think it is just because you're following macros. And, you know, these can be learning experiences in all sorts of ways. But the idea that you have to be completely perfect with your food, I think, is caused by the fact that a lot of very, very type A personalities are drawn to the idea of meal plans and tracking their food just because that's how type A people are. But you you will never be perfect with your nutrition. It's it's never going to be perfect no matter how hard you try. So you have to sort of let go of this idea of perfect and just focus on the best that you can do. I mean, we've mentioned it before, but it's worth repeating. Nutrition facts can be as much as 20% off on the label and companies do paint the numbers on the proteins, fats, and carbohydrates to make it look the way they want it to. Don't think that they don't. That doesn't mean that you should just not even bother and throw it out the window, but it's just important to know that you cannot make things exact and you shouldn't have to worry about it. Yeah, a really good example of that is if you're eating a slice of bread or something, you know, the the nutrition label says one slice of bread is 110 calories and 25 carbs or whatever. But next to where it says one slice in parentheses, it'll say like 28 grams or 32 grams or something. If you put that piece of bread on a scale, I can almost guarantee you it's going to be closer to 40 grams unless you have like the little heel on the end, then maybe that's, that's closer. But the point is like, how many of us are weighing each slice of our bread? Not very many of us, not even myself and not even when I'm on prep, do I weigh my bread? So that's just one example of how even when you think you're doing the exact right thing, um, you know, nothing is perfect and going out to eat is no exception to that. And it should be something that you are able to do and enjoy in your life. So there's no need to add extra stress to that by feeling like you need to track every macro that you're eating perfectly. Ultimately, it's in the name itself, flexible dieting. It's not about being strict. It's not about being bent and broken over these, these numbers. It's about adding some flexibility into what you're eating. If you're eating out, you don't have to be anxious about getting foods you enjoy. It's about being able to eat those foods and enjoy them. And I think that that's easier said than done. I think a lot of us tend to be a little bit anxious when we go out to eat. I know that there are situations where I feel anxious when I'm going out, but it takes practice. And that's really, really important. You know, just because you go out to eat one time and you find yourself really anxious over something like this doesn't mean you should never go out to eat again. It means do the best you can. And then the next time you go out to eat, you'll be a little bit better at it. And the next time you'll be a little bit better at it and the next time, et cetera, et cetera, until finally it's something that feels relatively normal to you. And just embrace the journey, basically, because you have to go with the flow when you're learning how to eat because, and I know that sounds silly, but it is just that. The funny thing about when you start to quantify what you eat and look at everything and try to make the most sensible choices, you you become more aware of what you've been doing all along. And a lot of people sort of blame the process and say, oh, crap, this stuff is messing me up. But the reality of it is that you just really had no idea what you were doing and what your issues were with food. And by tackling it head on, it, it is it's pretty freaking scary, actually. I'm not going to lie. But you can get to a better place. You really can. And take confidence in knowing that what you are doing consistently, day after day after day, not being exact, but being consistent, that will make all the difference.
on to our product review for the week. This week, actually, Christian got me this book for my birthday, and it is called The Taco Cleanse, The Tortilla-Based Diet Proven to Change Your Life. And it is by Wes Allison, Stephanie Bogdanich, Molly Frizinger, and Jessica Morris. I am so sorry if I just destroyed those names. But this book, it's um, got over 75 recipes, all taco-based recipes. And we made one of them last night, and it was really, really good. It was called the Tempe Picadillo. I, I can't Spanish accent, guys. I apologize. But the really awesome thing about this book in particular, aside from the fact that it's delicious, is that it's fucking hilarious because it pokes fun at the idea of cleanses like the lemon juice cleanse and the you know various juice cleanse and raw food cleanses which as you know we are very much not a proponent of so this idea of a taco cleanse is absolutely hilarious i'll read you a little excerpt here because it it cracked me up quite a bit okay so this is like from the very very beginning of the book here is the taco cleanse right for you There are many reasons people consider embarking on a cleanse. Some feel that their vibrations could be higher. Others feel that their glow is in need of recharging. A select few wish to push their vitality to the next summit. Regardless of the reason, your life will change for the better when you adopt a new mindset, realign your diet, and consume large quantities of tacos. And it goes on to ask you if you are experiencing recurring feelings of hunger on a daily basis. Do you frequently lack access to eating utensils, such as forks or chopsticks? Do you consider tortillas to function as edible napkins? Um, It's just absolutely hilarious, and it really does read like any one of the hundreds of cleanse books that are out there on the market for vegans. And, you know, the recipes in it are pretty healthy. I mean, they're very whole foods based and things like that. But it's just this idea of, of cleansing that is so prevalent in the vegan culture that is just so ridiculously... Um, bullshit and they really really play on that very very well and uh, I, I don't I don't know I can't explain how funny I think that is um, so I highly recommend that you check it out at the end they have various taco yoga poses and I mean there's there's liquor in this book actually <laughs> you know um, explaining the taco cleanse in social situations raising kids on a taco based diet I mean, it's it's really, really funny. These guys did a great job. I believe all of the authors are from Austin, Texas. Um, and, you know, they certainly know their tacos around those parts. So these recipes, are the ones that we tried were delicious. And the other ones look really, really good. I'm looking forward to making more of them. And, you know, I have a bajillion cookbooks as it is. But this one definitely stands out as not just a cookbook, but also like a really funny uh, conversation piece as well so definitely check it out i can't speak for danny and giacomo but i know my life has changed just after last night you know one taco one taco and i am reborn you know <laughs> we've all been detoxing pretty hard since we began this taco cleanse moving on to our q a segment for today we have a question from elizabeth green via email My question is about fasted training. While I am very conscious of taking in a fair portion of protein post-workout, I currently do the majority of my workouts, both cardio and strength, in a fasted state with intra-workout BCAAs. I do not train fasted because I think it has some magical fat-burning benefit or for any strategic reason, but simply because of my schedule. 
With my current job situation, I have to get up at 4.30 in the morning to exercise before work, sometimes even earlier. So three things. One, I'm just not hungry at that hour, which I know would change over time if I did start to eat. Two, I would rather get as much sleep as possible than wake up even earlier to add another step to my morning and eat pre-workout. And three, I have to stretch my macros over the entire day, so I hate to use some of them up so early when I'm not even hungry. My husband gets home from work after nine most nights, and we make it a point to eat dinner together. So if I eat post-workout, I have to stretch my food from 4.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m., and that's a bit tough. Okay, so her question is, what would you recommend she eat post-workout that will allow her to benefit from some food for fuel while still saving as many macros as possible for later in the day? Basically. So in general, I'm not a big fan of training fasted simply because it doesn't really allow you to have workouts as intense as you possibly could have. But I do understand your dilemma of getting up that early and, you know, having to spread your macros out over a really long day. And a lot of people just aren't hungry at that time of the morning and they can't really choke down food before they train. So although it's not ideal, um, it is possible to train fasted in the morning and still get a decent workout. And part of the best way to do this is to make sure that you have an ample meal the night before. So it's still not completely digested and gone through your system by the time you get to the gym in the morning. Um, especially since your digestion is slower when you're sleeping, then you will still have, if you have a substantial meal for dinner, then you'll still be able to sort of work off that in the morning. Although I do recommend that you keep um, probably like 15 grams of BCAAs intra-workout and just sip on it while you're working out just to keep yourself from utilizing muscle protein as your fuel, just in case you do happen to uh, work through all of your glycogen. And I'm kind of in the same boat. I wake up, I'm not really hungry, but I know I should probably eat something. I've done workouts where I get halfway through and I notice my performance start to kind of decline um, and it's not preferable at all. When I work out, I want to go as hard as I can. I want to lift as much as possible. I want to keep lifting without tanking mid-workout. So over time, I've kind of changed. I don't eat a huge workout. I don't eat a huge pre-workout meal, but I do eat something just to have something in my system. Usually like half a banana or peanut butter. Some people can eat more. I also do stay up late, so I kind of understand stretching my macros throughout the day. Giacomo likes to give me some slack because I have more macros than him, but, you know, it is what it is. Whatever. Yeah, but even with, like, half a banana and a tablespoon of peanut butter or half a tablespoon of peanut butter, I, I do notice an improvement in my performance. I can I can keep working out longer. And uh, if you need to supplement with caffeine also, that helps a lot. Yeah, I agree with Christian completely. I have a few clients who train very, very early in the morning and just can't choke down a full meal beforehand, which is ideal to eat a decent sized meal before you work out like anywhere from 30 minutes to two hours depending but unless you're going to eat at 2 30 in the morning that's probably not going to happen for you so what i have those clients do is exactly what christian just said i have them eat a banana and nut butter and the reason for this versus what is you know quote unquote ideal which is a higher protein and carb meal is simply that the fat mixed with the carbohydrates is going to make it slow down. Uh, it's going to make the digestion of that slow down enough to give you 
sustained energy through your workout. So it's not nothing. It's better than nothing. Absolutely. And like I said, if you're eating a decent sized meal the night before, you're probably going to be okay anyway. But so you ask what the minimum is of carbs that you should shift to the morning. And as long as you're eating enough at night, I would say you don't need to. If you're eating about 25% of your daily carbs as your last meal of the day, that's probably going to be sufficient to get you through your workout the next morning. But if you want an even better workout, I would do exactly what Christian recommended and have like a half of a large banana and a tablespoon of peanut butter because that's really, really small. It's not going to make you nauseous at all during your workout and you don't have to spend more than 30 seconds putting it together so you still get all your sleep. So our next question is anonymous, and I don't have it directly in front of me, but I remember it pretty clearly. Basically, the gist of it is this woman usually has pretty smooth digestion. You know, she goes to the bathroom every day, but she's been dieting moderately intensely for the past six weeks or so, and she's noticed that she's kind of backed up and constipated. And one, she wants to know if that's normal, and two, why? Why is that happening? To answer answer the question... Something like that can happen just because the deeper you get into dieting or the closer you get to competition, you're going to have less food in your system. You're not going to have as much fuel, um, and your body will react to that. It will adapt. It's going to slow down um, by any means. Your metabolism will slow down, which is why you have these weekly manipulations in nutrition. Um, Your body does what it can to preserve energy because it's running on less and less fuel the deeper you get into contest prep or the lean the leaner you get with food reductions um so so a slow digestion is probably a result because your body is trying to adapt to these changes that you are making ultimately you're going against the grain of what your body is trying to do your body wants to keep you alive um i wouldn't go so far as to say you're starving yourself even though that's kind of what you're doing you're you're not eating as much as your body wants you to eat. So like I said, to preserve this energy, to keep you going, your body's going to slow down its metabolic processes. You're going to, you're going to see these ways in which your body catches up to the changes you're making. Well, the, the other thing, I mean, the slowing down of your metabolism and all of your systems is definitely the main reason why people become like constipated and backed up Um, and can't really go to the bathroom when they're, you know, deep in a dieting phase. But the other reason is simply that you're just eating less food. So that's literally less food traveling through you. So you're going to be going to the bathroom less. And the combination of those two things can be pretty alarming if you're a person who's usually pretty regular. Um, But it's, it's perfectly normal. And as soon as you, you know, back out of the dieting phase, your digestion will return to normal and you'll be going to the bathroom regularly again. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Vegan Proteins Muscles by Brussels Radio. And thank you so much, Christian Garcia, for coming on and talking with our with our listeners today. If you have any questions at all, feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Vegan Proteins or at Muscles by Brussels. And if you feel so inclined to leave us a review on iTunes, it really helps get this message out further to people and we really, really appreciate it. So thanks again for tuning in. My name is Danny. And I'm Giacomo. And we'll talk to you in two weeks-ish. Just-